0: so we're finally here the magical words football season is back it's like heroin so obviously about a week ago um we figured out what the 53 man roster was we're gonna go ahead and break that down here in the first half and then in the second half of this episode What to expect week one against the New England Patriots in week one to Watonga-Vailoa versus Mac Jones. Which I remember a time way long ago that Alabama wasn't really known for producing quarterbacks at an NFL level. I mean, the only one that just immediately rings a bell somewhat was A.J. McCarron, right? I mean, did he have a fantastic career in the NFL? Not so much, but hey, he at least made it. All of a sudden now, we're looking at three. They were all in the same quarterback room with Tua, Mac, and Jalen Hurts all starting on week one. So as if 2020 wasn't fucking crazy enough, all of a sudden now, Alabama... Right, they've always had good prospects, no matter what. Running back, offensive line, defensive. If you draft somebody from Alabama on defense, you're pretty much getting a franchise piece. But all of a sudden, now we're seeing that it's quarterbacks, which I find very interesting. So, obviously, breaking down the 53-man roster, two quarterbacks, to absolutely no surprise of anybody. Number one, Tua to Bailoa. Very strong camp as well as preseason. Um, Obviously, 6-3 and record as a rookie last year, going into the preseason this year. Actual first time really seeing him in preseason action. Was able to complete 24 of 34 passes, 282 yards, one touchdown, one pick in two games played. But the other thing, the intangibles, really, that I don't think a lot of people have paid a lot of attention to, is while he's on the field, Miami was able to sustain drives... In five of his seven possessions, totaling about 50 or more yards, he had one for 83, 75, 66, 60, as well as 52. It's very impressive. Obviously, number two quarterback, Jacoby Brissett. Um, and actually entering into the season, he actually owns the NFL's all-time lowest interception rate at 1.3% of quarterbacks with a minimum of 900 pass attempts. Basically, what that means is for every 900 pass attempts, he's throwing, like, what, one interception? Which is incredible, right? I, I, look, I didn't go to college for math, so I'm probably very wrong on that. And I'll probably have to make another Hate Mail episode after that. So I don't know. All I know, that's really fucking good, okay? And then, honestly, the thing that I really love about Brissett the most, um, not only is he a very solid staple for a backup, God forbid something happens to Tua throughout the season, he's a fantastic leader, he's a fantastic mentor, and not only that, he's a fantastic teammate. I love it. you know. And even in his preseason, he also had a fantastic showing in two games. 14 of 18, 166 yards, and two passing touchdowns. To the running backs, it's absolutely no surprise to anybody. R3 Headed Dragon, Savon Ahmed, Malcolm Brown, as well as Miles Gaskin. Malcolm Brown really surprised me. Once again, another fantastic pickup by Brian Flores. Once again, from New England. He just loves to take players from New England. Um, I actually believe Malcolm Brown played in the Rams last year. Yes, he did. He played in Los Angeles um, for the Rams in 2020, but I believe he had a stint in New England beforehand. Correct me if I'm wrong. um, Tyler is the worst journalist of all time. Right? And just in last year, while playing for the Rams, he had 25 first downs on 101 carries, along to go with five total touchdowns. So I expect him to have a pretty good year. He's a really solid power back. um, 5'11", same exact height as Selvan Ahmed. Now, look, I don't want to put the cart before the horse, um, but with the size of our running backs, Miles Gaskin actually being the shortest one at 5'10", two of the best running backs of all time, Barry Sanders and Emmitt Smith, both 5'10". Okay, I'm just throwing it out there. I'm just throwing it out there. But really paying a lot of attention to Gaskin, um, like I said last week, he is my dark horse, um, pick for a Pro Bowl. Incredible breakout season last year where he actually finished 10th among running backs in yards from scrimmage at 97.2 for an average. And then in this preseason as well, he served, you know, kind of just pick up where he left off, but also showing a lot of things that he's been working on in the offseason. Not only is he able to cut in and out, um, But he also is able to move vertically as well as horizontally, which is incredible. He looks like he's on an episode of Dancing with the Stars every single time. Just his hip movement, the way that he's able to change direction almost on a dime is really impressive, and the fact that he's been able to couple that with a little bit of a power game is incredible. So we do have six receivers on the roster in no particular order. Albert Wilson, Devontae Parker, Jalen Waddell, Preston Williams... Jakeem Grant and Mac Hollins. We said that we needed to get Tua weapons, right? Tua's got him. Albert Wilson coming off once again, electric, right? He's absolutely electric. Obviously, we have not seen him play since what? Late in 2018 when he went down with a hip injury. But when he went down at the time in 2018, he actually led all NFL receivers in yards after the catch, or YAC, at 345, which is incredible. Um, obviously, did not play last year due to COVID, chose to sit the season out. So hopefully, he hasn't missed a beat with about a year and a half of an offseason. Obviously, Devontae, the longest-tenured player on the roster, He's getting better every single season. Right, 2019, he made a huge leap posting 1,200 receiving yards, nine touchdowns. but Ranked in the bottom five in the NFL in catchable targets. Who's to blame on that? We're not pointing fingers. Okay, in a contested catch phenom, his 43 grabs on 50-50 balls between 2019 and 2020 are the most in the NFL played incredible and yes there is a reason why this episode is well you know a little delayed rather than a week because uh boy was doing research on top of master's work at fau so if you are an fau owl or an fau alumni say what's up to your boy obviously jalen waddle a lot of expectations coming from him i'm excited to see what he does then as we go down a little bit obviously we have jakeem grant staple second team all pro punt returner last year i'm excited to see what he's able to bring this year mac Hollins, same thing kind of that dark horse had that amazing catch in the las vegas game which by the way greatest throw of all time in the history of the nfl from ryan fitzpatrick And then we get to the guy who makes me a little nervous. The glass cannon himself, Preston Williams. He has one of the highest ceilings and lowest floors I've ever seen, right? Six foot five, 220. So the guy is an absolute monster physically. I actually want to say he's the tallest wide receiver on the team followed by Mack Hollins at six foot four and then Devonte Parker at six foot three both of his seasons shortened due to injury but I feel that if Williams can stay healthy this entire year not only is that another gem of undrafted free agent that we picked up which seems to be a big time theme here in Miami if he can stay healthy the majority of the season if not the entire season that's a very scary offensive threat. Not to mention, we do have Will Fuller as well. Obviously, he is starting later on in the year due to um, a suspension early on. But so I'm very excited to see him there as well. Um, we have a very two is loaded with weapons, right? Going to the tight end position, obviously you have Gesicki. incredible, right? Hunter Long, the rookie out of Boston College. Durham Smythe, Adam Shaheen. So we've got relatively the exact same group of guys, with the exception of Keith and Carter, as well as Hunter Long. I'm excited. I'm excited. You know, obviously not a lot is known about Keith and Carter. Um, his stats as of right now. Really a special teams guy. Okay. All three years of his career, he's been in special teams, 24 tackles, you know, with a PFF grade for special teams of 82.1, as well as seven career catches for 66 yards, one touchdown. So he's a great special teams guy. Hunter Long, excited to see what he's going to do. Caught a lot of passes from two on the final day of camp. He actually led all FBS tight ends with 53 receptions in his last season in 2020. Granted, it was a shortened season. So, a lot of offensive weapons. Very excited. Very excited to see that. Offensive line, old habits die hard. Michael Dieter playing in the center position. Good to finally see Dieter get, you know, that starting center position. He's been on the roster for about the last two to three years good to see that that hard work is paying off followed by robert jones solomon kinley greg mance robert hunt austin jackson as well as liam eikenberg and greg little former second round pick got him for literally nothing he's 23 and nothing but upside obviously followed by jesse davis the Swiss Army knife in the lineman position. Onto the defensive line. Once again, incredible steals. Adam Butler from New England. John Jenkins. We do have Ogba, Sealer, Wilkins, and Raquan Davis. Like I said a couple episodes ago, that's a very scary defensive line. And I'm not just talking right now, I'm talking two, three years in the future. Raekwon Davis has potential where I feel he is going to be a perennial pro bowl pick for many years to come. Same thing with Christian Wilkins. Obviously, we know what Ogba is able to produce, and I'm excited to see what Butler is going to do now. Granted, he was the starter for New England. Um, My favorite thing about Adam Butler, though, is his consistency. It's incredible. Um, you know, he's incredible asset. Once again, Whelan and Dylan, linebacker position, the hype of Jalen Phillips. Very excited to see what he's able to do this year. Andrew Van Ginkle, my dinkle. Duke Riley, Sam Egvine, Landon Roberts, Jerome Baker, Brennan Scarlett. Guess we did cut McKinney. Um but when you look at upside you would have to take the likes of Egovine as well as Duke Riley right for now are they going to be starters no Egovine and Duke Riley not really um but still actually in 2019 too Egovine finished fourth in quarterback pressures with 23 It's incredible once again he's a great special teams guy But we're really seeing him develop into a perennial sub-linebacker on third downs. Whenever we need that real power, just like a Landon Roberts. You know, just that third down guy, you're going to get a stop. Cornerbacks, Noah Igbenokini, Byron Jones, Xavier Howard, Justin Coleman, Jamal Perry, Nick Needham, and Trill Williams. Not a lot of surprises there. Um... Not gonna lie, I was a little sad to see that we had lost um, McCordy. I was a little sad to see that. Um, But I do love the acquisition of Justin Coleman. I think he played amazing in Seattle as well as in Detroit. You know, his best season was in Seattle in 2017 to 2018. He ranked eighth in pass rater and, you know, passer rating allowed in 2017 as well as 2018 at 83.3 and 82.5, respectively, per PFF. Very excited to see that. Obviously, we all know the love that I have for Nick Needham. Nothing but incredible upside. Very excited to see that. And then also, too, I'm excited to see the jump from year one to year two, not only in Tua, but also in Noah Igbenogany. Very excited to see that. On special teams and in safeties, Eric Rowe, Javon Holland, Brandon Jones, Jason McCourty is still with us, um, so I kind of spoke out of turn there, and Clayton fledged out, my guy. So Jason McCourty is still with us, so everything that I just said was a big fat joke. I'm stupid. Special teams, obviously, we have Michael Polarty as the punter, Jason Sanders, and Blake Ferguson as the long snapper. I'm very happy with our roster makeup. I think we have a fantastic chance this year of making the playoffs, if not winning the AFC East. And here's what I mean by that. When you look at the roster and you look at the schedule and the strength of schedule, our main competition right now in the AFC East, as of the time of recording this, September 7th, is Buffalo. Okay. And... When it comes to Buffalo, they've got a very, very tough schedule. Obviously, you know, old habits die hard. We will be splitting the series with them, as we always do, right? One-to-one. But given the strength of their schedule, Buffalo really doesn't have a break from really tough opponents until around week six, week seven. And I'm not calling them a bad team. They're a fantastically constructed team, both offensively and defensively. Buffalo is a fantastic team. And that's not to take away anything from them. I still do believe that, you know, they are one or two pieces away from a Super Bowl run. Hopefully they don't go 0-4 this time in the Super Bowl. But they've actually got a really well-constructed team. When you think of the strength of schedule... They've got a very hard time through the first seven weeks, right? We play Buffalo twice. The first time is down here in September. And a team from the Northeast playing in Miami in mid-September is almost a death sentence just due to the weather, right? So I'm very excited to see what happens this year. Um, I know that no matter what... All of us analysts say, a lot of the times, our predictions age terribly, kind of like milk. So, now that we have the roster constructed, the 53-man is there, I'm going to break down looking ahead to week one, right after the break. So, week one. It's a brand new era, and actually... This is going to sound weird, but I feel like there's going to be added pressure now that fans are back in the stadium, especially too, because we are on the road at New England. And the weird thing is, right, obviously we know what happened last year, week one, New England did beat us in Foxborough, 21 to 11. We split the series. Cam Newton is not starting. Okay. And I feel like we are in prime position to actually win this game, okay? And there's a couple different things why. Obviously, Bill, but it's not going to be a blowout, right? Bill Belichick returns a lot of his defensive opt-outs, like the likes of Kyle Van Ooy, Dante Hightower, right? So the players that he lost, you know, like the McCourty, JC Jackson, obviously, is still a huge threat. Gave X a run for his money, I believe, ending second or third in the interception race in the AFC. You know, obviously, Belichick is very motivated. The, The evil empire, as I like to call him, right? The evil emperor is doing anything to reclaim his throne back in the AFC. And obviously, there's a lot of motivation there. If you listen to the Boston media, they've already crowned Mac Jones as the next Tom Brady. I'm not going to get into comparisons and talk about whether he's a system quarterback or not. We're not going to do that, okay? Because my philosophy, the way that it's always been, is judge a player exactly for what they are, right? Comparisons are okay, but they're also very scary, because the thing is, is that the player does not live up to your expectations, right? And we see this a lot, not only in the NFL, but primarily really in the NBA as well. Um, you know, if you're the first pick, right, in any draft for any team, there's automatic expectations, right? You know, we're seeing that with to Cunningham in Detroit right now. First overall pick, people are saying that if he doesn't at least average 18-5, and five, He's a bust, okay? People are calling Tua a bust after one season, even though he has a winning record, okay? And did the best that he could with the pieces that he had. We've beat that horse dead, okay? That horse is glue, right? So, obviously, Belichick wants to make a statement. We want to make a statement in week one, And this isn't a make-or-break game, but it does carry a lot of connotation. Now, with that being said, too, Miami actually does have the 8th easiest schedule in the NFL, which is different than years past where we've had top 10 of the most difficult schedules. Starting off in enemy territory, in New England, in Foxborough, fans are going to be rampant. But... Did New England bring back a lot of their defensive starters? Yes, they did. And they've got incredible ones as well, with the likes of Chase Winovich. Obviously, we've talked about JC Jackson. And also, too, Josh Uje, off the right side. Both Michigan guys. I love my Michigan guys. Um, Michigan's really defensive, you, more than anything. So, obviously, both teams... Here, really want to make a statement. And I feel that with the acquisitions that we've made with Tua, as well as the weapons, the progress that he has shown, granted, it is preseason. I'm aware of that. But you cannot ignore the progress from year one to year two thus far. Okay, granted, it's preseason. And we won't know until the final whistle is called at the end of this season and we reevaluate. But there is full trust and full faith in this young kid going into year two, okay? And honestly, a lot of pressure is off of Tua because all of a sudden now, obviously, all of the hype is going towards Justin Herbert, Joe Burrow, which by the way, can we just talk about the Bengals for a second? They went out and they took Jamar Chase, fantastic pickup right in the draft, the kid can't catch balls. Okay, he's he has struggled with a quarterback that he has chemistry with, coming from college at L, like L, LSU. Now, granted, hindsight's always twenty twenty, but they had the chance to get a perennial offensive tackle prospect of the likes that we've never seen before. Literally, fall in their lap and. They took Jamar Chase, which was a great pickup at the time, and who knows, right? Time could show, and, you know, they could become a fantastic thing, but really, they picked up Jamar Chase, which is great for Joe Burrow, but once again, he doesn't have a lot of time, given that offensive line. And the same exact thing could be said for Miami with how young our offensive line is, but... Going into year two, these guys have all had the time to get the chemistry, not only from last year, but going into this year. Is it still the youngest group of offensive linemen? Yes. But when you look at the roster construction that Brian Flores has done, it's not ragtag in any stretch of the imagination. Okay? Honestly, the way I see our offensive line turning out for week one In this exact order, going from left to right, Eichenberg, Hunt, then we've got, oh, Jesus, what is his name? I just brought it up. A Michael Dater. Michael Dater. Solomon Kidley. Austin Jackson. Right. That's a pretty damn good lineup. It's young. It's a very young core. But there's a lot of advantages to having that young core. Is the inexperience a big-time thing? Yes. But you're giving them time to work with each other on and off the field. And honestly, I feel like Solomon Kinley and Robert Hunt, primarily out of those two, are going to completely revamp this season. Because you just see the chemistry that those two have off the field. So, going into week one, right, there's a lot of storylines, okay, Tua versus Mac, what's going to happen, Flores versus Belichick, is Belichick going to try to bounce back, is he going to take the fact that Tom Brady wouldn't want a ring in Tampa personally, and the evil emperor is trying to get his empire back together, right, there's a lot of things, okay. Both teams are very well constructed on both the offense as well as the defensive side, I lean more towards Miami and the defensive side, okay? With the acquisitions that we've made, obviously our secondary is fantastic, which is weird saying that because our secondary has always been mediocre to absolutely trash for about 12 to 15 years. All of a sudden now, it's one of our strongest points, not just the defensive line, right? Because for years, right, whenever anybody said Miami defense, we immediately thought of the likes of Jason Taylor, Cam Wake, Right, Everybody defensive line, obviously you had the Zach Thomases, the Junior Seaus for the year or two that we had him, even the Joey Porters, right? But it's never really been about the secondary, with the exception of what, Vontae Davis 10 to 12 years ago? But now our secondary is actually one of our best staples. With two Pro Bowl lockdown corners... In X, as well as Byron Jones. It's very exciting. So, offensively, the advantage is pretty tied. Okay, we're going to be seeing Mac Jones's first ever, you know, regular season appearance. Obviously, expectations are sky high. And it's really, with the way that Miami really runs our defensive scheme, It's confusing, especially to a young quarterback, but Belichick is going to know that, and obviously Belichick is going to be preparing Mac Jones for that. Say what you will about Bill Belichick. it's a fantastic game planner. But the same can also be said for Brian Flores, and where Flores lacks experience going only into his third season, Belichick in, like, what, his 30th? What Flores lacks in... Maybe football knowledge, but he's got incredible football knowledge. Especially when it comes to roster construction. Both coaches are very good at that. So it's really going to come down to a coaching battle. And I feel like, obviously, defensive-wise, Miami has the advantage, especially over a young rookie in Mac Jones. Tua going into year two, the expectations are sky high. But also the pressure has been alleviated somewhat at the exact same time with the acquisition of the offensive weapons that we've put around them. Okay, that was all we were talking about this offseason, and that's exactly what we did. I really like Miami's chances. I feel like it's going to come down to whoever has the ball last in this game. And I've actually got the Finns winning this game about 28 to 17. That's about as realistic as I can probably make it. Obviously, we're going to have Miles Gaskin doing a lot of things. But really, obviously, the focus is going to be on Tua, as it will be this entire season. It's very intriguing and very interesting to be a Dolphins fan at this point. And I'm excited, right? Because we're loaded with nothing but potential. And... It's very exciting to see. So, I've actually got us going 1-0 to start the season, followed up by, once again, another AFC East matchup at home against Buffalo in Week 2. We'll talk about that after we get through Week 1. So, we thank you for tuning on into the Finish It podcast. If you are brand new here, welcome. Hit that subscribe button. Rate us five stars. It helps us. ...with the algorithm. And if you are returning, welcome back. We love you. Get ready for a brand new season. Get ready for the hype, the excitement. I'm through the roof. Cannot wait to see what happens this season. You can support us on Patreon if you feel so inclined, but by no means do you have to. All of the proceeds from this show... Do go to the MS Foundation. Not a single dime touches my bucket. So as always, I thank you for listening. However, whenever, and wherever you're listening to this. I hope you have a fantastic day, night, evening, afternoon, morning, whatever. We love you. We thank you for stopping on in. And as always, God bless. Go Miami Dolphins. And I'll see you same time next week.